Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. In this episode, we catch up with Derek Taylor to learn more about day two at Blue Bomber Rookie Camp. And then Blake Spiller, head coach and GM of the Portage Terrier, stops by to preview the Centennial Cup on the podcast. And if you missed it, the news coming out about half an hour ago that Alex Petrangelo of the Golden Knights receiving a one-game suspension for winding up and just lumberjack chopping, baseball bat swinging on one of the best players in the NHL, Leon Dreisaitl. So I guess the NHL doesn't care about protecting its stars. Moving to football, as we welcome in the voice of the Blue Bombers, Mr. Derek Taylor. Uh, You're chuckling. Did I say something funny? Uh, no, it's the greatest truism about the NHL. I'm laughing at the NHL because you're exactly right. Like every other game tries to let its stars be the stars, right? The, we're watching the NBA finals. LeBron's able to do his thing without, you know, being uh, two handed across the wrists and stuff like that. Uh, the NFL, you know, makes it easier for star receivers to make incredible plays and star quarterbacks to not be murdered in the pocket. But the NHL, for some reason, Tradition old time hockey does not care about letting letting like Leon Dreisaitl should be allowed to should not be unfairly restrained or touched in any manner and you should call it tight on guys like that because that's how you sell your game by letting your best players be your best players. And so we move along to the best players of the Blue Bombers who uh, aren't there yet except for someone like Zach Kolaris he's there but uh, the rookie camp day two what'd you learn today Derek. Oh, my goodness, there's so much. Anthony Bennett is having a terrific time in his first ever camp, and uh, I like Carl Schmitz even more than I thought I would, uh, the 36-year-old punter, still trying to play in his first pro football game, the second-round pick of the Bombers in their global draft. I talked to him for a few minutes uh, this afternoon. Like, I like this dude. I, I he, he could coach me on my life. I'm like a dozen years older than he is, but he could teach me a lot of stuff about keeping your dream in mind. Yeah, we played that interview earlier on. It was a, a fantastic chat. And it, it's a reminder that there are going to be a lot of players that come and go from this camp that probably we never hear from again, unless you you know, you know Google them years later. They might not play for a CFL team. They might try out for some camps here and there. They might just go on with their life and end up doing whatever and wherever. But they all have a story, right? Yeah, and, and Carl Schmitz is, is great, right? You and I were talking last week, I think after the draft, about how there was a story in 2015 about, oh, the Denver Broncos, the 28-year-old is going to finally make his football pro football debut. He's been chasing it forever. And we're like, that was eight years ago. Eight, and he's still able to stick with it, which when when we asked the question, and when I asked it to Schmitz, he, he kind of took it as, you know, you're an old man. How's your body still in shape? And he started talking about yoga and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, no, like, I, I almost I, I almost gave up on being a sportscaster when I was like 24 because I thought, oh, this isn't happening for me. Here he is at 36, still able to go at it and still finding the love for it and being able to make it a reality, right? Most guys would have given up and said, okay, I got to take a job because A, B, and C, but between, you know, the family restaurant, and he mentioned, you know, working in a, in a factory as a forklift driver and you know, coaching other punters and kickers and stuff. He's he's able to keep going, and here comes this opportunity he learned of from former Bombers punter John Ryan. Hey, what about the global draft? And here he is at 36, nuking balls out of the end zone, trying to trying to make a, a team. And 
play his first, you know, actual football game since 2008. It's just, it's such a great story, and and I'm glad he he has such a good perspective on it because it's it's exact. The story is exactly what I hoped it was. It's it's a guy who who's in a good place in his life, just trying to just trying to keep going with this thing that he loves. So, did you get to see him punt today? We did. Uh, we didn't get to see any punting yesterday, but we did get to see uh, Schmitz punting today. And it, the part that we saw, I think we probably saw six or six or eight punts uh, from each of the two guys who were doing their punting. And I think they probably ran into some problems when they're doing their directional work. Both guys have legs. Let's not kid ourselves. Hammering out some 55 yarders and such. But it seemed like both guys got in trouble, uh, he and Ankle, when they were asked to do some directional stuff. We asked Coach, I asked Coach O'Shea about it after practice, and I said, hey, we only saw like seven punts. Like, how do you evaluate that? And he said, well, we had them doing a bunch of work. Or he's like, if you're here at 8 a.m., you'd see them doing a bunch of work. So there's more going on. And to hear Carl say it, he's like, it was a good day for me, and we'll see what day three brings. I'm like, okay. So he, he obviously had a better time than, than what we were specifically allowed to see as media and fans today. So uh, fingers crossed for him because uh, if the Bombers are going American at kicker and after the Sergio Castillo acquisition, they almost certainly are, you're going to go global or Canadian at the punter spot. So that that bodes well for a guy like Schmitz. And we don't we haven't seen Mark Leggio or Castillo at camp yet, so we don't have that kind of reference point. But I like how you asked Mike O'Shea yesterday about how do you separate yourself as a punter? Because, I mean, kickball far doesn't seem like a tough task, but we know it's not as simple as that. Yeah, and so he'll talk about uh, you want it to look the same every time, and, and especially in punting. Uh, if you hang the ball, and, and people who, who watch the game and listen to us in OB know, if you hang the ball in the middle of the field, the coach is never asking you to do that, and that's where all the trouble happens, right? Because instead of being able to push a returner to one side of the field and out of bounds, he now has all the options in the world. He can go left, he can go right, he can go straight and bend it off one direction. So it, you, you work it on the, the directional stuff becomes very important in a league playing on on such a wide field, and there's there's more that uh, that a guy like Schmitz will have to get used to. So yeah, it's going to be. Uh, I'll be curious to see if all five of them join the uh, join Legio and Castillo in in main camp, or if uh, perhaps a couple will be on their way. And uh, O'Shea was asked today how many kickers he wants to to bring to main camp, and he didn't want to answer that question. He didn't want to really answer any questions about numbers, which I get because. He probably doesn't a want to to say if he does have a number because he don't want to influence anything. But also, he might not actually have the number in his head, and that's how he thinks. But uh, yeah, for 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 those who haven't you know followed a training camp or maybe don't know how the numbers work, when main camp opens Sunday, do they have to make any cutdowns before then? So O'Shea didn't have the numbers on that, but my guess is is that they do. Um, when I looked at their roster, and they've added a couple of guys since then. There were 107 on their on their roster for camp. So if they add three more and one guy retired, let's say they're 109, 110. Uh, on Saturday, they have to cut down to 95 players plus this year's draft picks. So if there were six draft picks, you have to get down to, say, a, about 101. Be that guys go on injured veteran uh, status or you just straight up release some guys. So they're, my guess is they're going to have to do a few. Uh, but but not too many. It's after a couple of days of training camp where the really hard cuts come. They have to get down to 75, 
and now draft picks are no longer exempt from that 75. So still some time to make an impression then. Yeah, for sure. And that, that's one of the big things. I, I remember uh, talking to a, a guy who played in the CFL, and he came up from Michigan State where he, he, he went to rookie camp, and he's like, I was dominating. I absolutely dominated camp. I was pushing guys all over the place. So he felt like Superman when he went to, to regular camp. He's like, I'm going to dominate this. And then he ran into all-star left tackle, and just he's like, I couldn't move him. Uh, he put me on the ground so many times because it's just that different. So any defensive lineman, for example, who's who's having a great time, and, and some guys, you saw some real solid beats of defensive linemen on offensive linemen today in individual drills. It's like, that's fantastic. Now do it to Stanley Bryant and Jamarcus Hardrick, the best left and right tackle in the Canadian Football League. And that's where we're going to separate the wheat from the chaff, as it were, because it's just such a, it's such an incredible jump from borderline might make a practice roster guy to perhaps the greatest offensive lineman in CFL history. And so what do we learn tomorrow then? What are we looking for? Gosh, we got a chance to, I got a chance to watch more of the, the defense. Uh, I, I guess we'll kind of, it's always more interesting to watch the receivers, right? The receiver defensive back battles. I don't know why that is, but your eyes just drawn to them. And then hopefully the rabble rousing veterans will be back because like Patty Newfeld and Willie Jefferson and Shane Goche were up in the stands hooting and hollering at every drill. It was it was very entertaining. They were having a great time picking on guys who went the wrong way, or there was a real debate of did Suleiman Karamoko intercept one, or was it a Carlton Agadosi touchdown? Uh, that one happened live when I was live on the air with the guys at noon, and I don't know if anybody resolved what what instant replay solved. We didn't hear back, but. There's, I'm, I'm hoping for more of the veterans showing up because they uh, they add an extra level of entertainment and insight to what's going on in the field there. All right, and uh, I understand tomorrow's a padded practice. That's their their one padded practice of rookie camp. Yeah, so they're allowed the one, and it'll be tomorrow. And uh, Coach O'Shea talked about it and said, you know, uh, you know, nobody's nobody's going to be tackling anybody to the ground just as a safety measure. But you want to see, you know, guys make contact, and you want to see guys. And get in their position and you know you just you just want to get get a sense of okay you've been doing it without pads but but what happens when that when the hitting starts and it's not full speed oklahoma drills like back in the day but it's it's something that they can they can take a look at and get a little deeper knowledge of guys before they uh they have to make a couple of decisions on saturday well we'll let you go on that no we'll talk to you tomorrow night derek have fun tomorrow thank you brother Meantime, at the Centennial Cup in Portage La Prairie, it's the opening. Oop, watch the mic. Opening night of the event. A couple games already in the books. Battleford's North Stars beating the Cam River Fighting Walleye. Brooks Bandits regular at this tournament, taking down Yarmouth seven two. And the Steinbeck Pistons and Collingwood Blues are tangling. It's a team from Ontario. That's from not too far from where I'm from, actually. Tied at zero right now in the first period. Tomorrow night, though, it'll be the Portage Terriers opening their journey. One of 10 teams from across the country looking to win the crown. Hometown Terriers were the top team in the MJHL in the regular season. They appear to be destined to get in on their own volition. But after taking a 2-0 series lead in their semifinal battle against Verdon, they found themselves in double overtime in Game 7 on home ice, and they lost. And that was it, but... They have a second chance now trying to win a national title, and this is, by the way, the third time they've hosted the national tournament. The previous two, they won the whole thing. 
Yesterday, I got to talk to the head coach of the Terriers, Blake Spiller. Started by asking him how excited the team is now that the action is finally almost here. Yeah, for sure, Christian. Uh, you know, with uh, with it being canceled um, in twenty, um, it's uh, it it seems like it's been a long time, but uh, and, and in another sense, it's it's come quick. So, um, you know, only a couple of days away, and um, a town, the town seems excited. Everybody, all the teams arrived yesterday, so there's definitely a, a buzz around town about the about the upcoming tournament. Now, I asked this to Paul Dick yesterday. Do you like the uh, expanded format where there's so many teams now as part of the – pretty much every league is now represented as opposed to the past where really only four teams plus the host got in? Yeah, you know, it's uh, – I know those tournaments, we were at those ones before and, and did okay and, and not so well in some of them um, just because, uh, you know, you're you're looking at, you know, four or five of the best teams and, and as opposed to ten. but. I think each league, uh, you know, deserves to be here uh, with a representative and, and to show off their league. And um, I'm I'm actually okay either way. I know that uh, it's going to be a ter- good tournament, just like just like the other ones. Uh, you know, I think it's you know we we missed that the Anavit Cup, the team that gets to that, and, and I know it's a good draw and, and it's exciting as well. It seems to be a longer grind that way to get to the to the national tournament. So. This one, uh, you know, I think all the leagues seem, you know, more excited about, you know, you have to win your league and then you get to go to the Nationals. So I think that's good. It, you know, a lot more players get to experience the, the atmosphere and, and, and definitely the, um, you know, the excitement around uh, around the building and, and, uh, and, and the good hockey. Now, 2015, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when I say 2015 Royal Bank Cup? Yeah, it was such a such a year that uh, I mean we had a good club and and you know then we had to go to the westerns in in Fort Mac so again it gets to be you know a long grind with that part of it and 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 uh, um, you know good teams there and 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 definitely a good experience for our guys um, you know and then to come home and and uh, you know host and and win it obviously it was it was one of those years that it seemed like. I mean, we we deserved what we what we got, but uh, um, I think that it, it was uh, obviously a lot of stars had to align along the way for for things to go as well as it did. Uh, you know, we get to the the tournament and and, uh, and got got fortunate and um, you know ended up first in the in the round robin. So um, Penticton had to play Carlton Place, which were you know two real good clubs, and and uh, you know we we got the winner of that one. So I think it was. Uh, Again, you know, all the stars have to align for you to, to have success at it, and it was definitely um, it was definitely really rewarding for everybody involved. So, take let's go into this year. You know, you you go into the season knowing that you're going to make the Centennial Cup, regardless of what happens in the MJHL, but obviously, you still want to win the league to get in on your on your own merit. You finish first place in the regular season standings, and then what happened against Verdon this year? Well, you know, we. Obviously, we we did have a good regular season and for, finished first overall, and, and you know had a tough series against Neverville and, and and got in and got the first couple into the into the semis and got you know the first couple wins and then you know unfortunately we had some some issues that come up with health and 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 so we our guys you know did what they could and got to seven and Verdon played real well in the series and and ultimately you know we lost in in double overtime in in game seven so um it was uh 
it was a tough go. It was an experience that anybody really needed to, to go through. But, you know, at the same time, um, you know, we fought through a lot of stuff in that series, even though we, you know, we didn't have success. And, and you know, I think that'll make us better here coming into this tournament, just knowing that, you know, we probably let something slip away that or we think that we did. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, we're, we're healthy now. Um, finally, on Monday, we had, you know, everybody had practice for the first time in probably a, over a month. And, and um, so it was, it was a tough goal, but uh, I know all our guys are looking forward to getting going on Friday night. Did it help so, ease the pain of the loss, knowing that your season wasn't over yet? Yeah, it really did. It was it was a different feeling, obviously, because usually when when you lose in the playoffs, you're you know you're you're going to have your exit interviews. But uh, you know, we took a week off, uh, you know, to try to get healthy and and um, and rest it up. And um, yeah, I think it was uh, definitely a different a different feeling. But you know, at the same time, it was it was still exciting to know that that we were going to be able to 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 be involved in 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 the national tournament, obviously, and especially when it's at home. So how do you get back into playing shape when it's been almost a month since you've played a competitive hockey game? It, and that, again, is, is different just because of, of the format. I think, like, Battlefords was, was done in Saskatchewan pretty much the same time as we were done. And, um, you know, Stein's had some time off here, and, and, and I think the only team is, is the um, the Ottawa team that basically won on Friday, and, and which was how it was in the past where – um, you usually had a week off, but most teams that are that are coming have had, you know, anywhere from from a couple weeks to a, close to a month off as well. So it it's it is uh, it is different in, in that way. So we're not, you know, I think there will be some teams that that are looking to get the rest off early, similar to us. So your first game is against Steinbeck. Is it better for you to start against a familiar opponent as opposed to the rest of the games you're going to be playing against teams you haven't faced? maybe ever before well yeah you know it's it's i guess six one half a dozen the other it's you know both both situations i mean we know stein's good and obviously they won our league and um but i I guess that familiarity familiarity is good but you know at the same time um you know it might have been more beneficial to play somebody else so we could prepare you know for for game one which is the only thing we've been been preparing for so far um you know it might have been more beneficial to to play another team to you know have that week or whatever to to um prepare for that team but at the same time everybody's you know in the same boat here so um you know we're we're looking forward to game one just like everybody else will be their first game so um you know it, it, it is what it is and and uh um we'll uh we'll do our best here in game one and try to get off to a good start in the tournament now, as far as the other games are concerned, you're playing teams that you, you know, you haven't played before. But is scouting in 2023 easier than ever because of all the video and technology available to coaches? Well, absolutely. Um, you know, going back, and I've been around a long time, obviously, and, and there's, there's, you know, definitely that part of it that that you can, you know, pretty watch, you know, watch every team's game that they've played this year if that's what you want to do and definitely their playoff games and um so you definitely have a better read on each team coming in and, and um you know i'm sure teams will will tweak some things coming in and and uh so uh, you know at the same time you might have to you definitely have to make some some game game changes and decisions at that time as well so um but there is definitely a, a benefit to, to to the new technology for sure how much does home ice help in this tournament from your point of view? 
Well, it definitely helped in in 15 i think just as as the tournament went along just having you know the same people that are you know you're in your doing your same thing um you know standing in your billet place and and doing the same things you know every day you're not in a different place um and and obviously you see the same people that you see all season long so there is that familiarity and, and as well um i think a lot of the rinks are are, are pretty similar now um but uh, at the same time you you, you know you you do have that obviously familiarity of, of, of playing in your home rink. So there is an advantage, um, you know, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll um, be able to, to get off to that good start. I think there's, I mean, obviously every team that's um, is here has had success on the road too. So um, as, as did we, so, um, you know, there, there is that home ice advantage that they always talk about. And I think that's just a familiarity of, of, of playing in the same building. Well, the first two times Portage hosted this tournament, they won the title. So I imagine there's an expectation in the great fan base there that it can happen again, right? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, obviously with the disappointment of, of, of not getting into the final, um, you know, you know, there might be some places that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll um, think that we're, you know, not that, not a, not a competitive team, but, you know, with, with our regular season, I think our fan base is, you know, is excited that, and, and hoping, obviously, everybody that I run into is, is, uh, you know, hoping that we're going to have a good tournament and have some success. And, you know, we, we won't worry about the finals or the semis. We'll, we're, we just got to worry about game one here and trying to get off to a good start. But, but overall, you know, the community is, is behind us and they always are. So we're definitely looking forward to trying to put on a good show here for them. Well, Blake, best of luck with everything at this tournament. Have fun and, uh, again, uh, enjoy the experience. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the vision. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all.